listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Overcoming life's biggest frustration. And just to define it right off the top, I'm not trying to keep you in suspense or try to define in some weird way what life's biggest frustration is. I think you'll identify with this when I say it and know that it's true. One of the biggest frustrations in any person's life is that they don't know their purpose or their calling, what God wants them to do in life. I can't tell you how many times we get messages People say, could you do a broadcast or a podcast on this? Uh, you know, all the all these different things. Could you please deal with how do I discover my calling, how I discover my purpose? And uh, that's kind of what we're dealing with today. How to overcome life's biggest frustration. When people don't have purpose, they float through life. They wander through life. And it is so frustrating to not have purpose. It is so frustrating to feel like your life is on cruise control, but you have no destination picked out. Nothing more frustrating than that. And um, so when you become a believer, one of the things that it's important to realize and understand is that you have the Holy Spirit as your guide. And he is your comforter, your guide. He's the one who leads you into all truth. That's all. That's not just all scriptural truth. He's the one that leads you in all truth, even about God's plan for your life, and that's why it's so important. Um, you know, I've I would I would be very Tiffany's laughing. I would be very very sad, and this is not a knock against my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not I'm not putting them down, but I would feel very sad as a, a cessationist, someone who doesn't believe that the Holy Spirit is still working. Uh, in the same way today as he did in the early church and in the Old Testament. Um, I would feel very sad as a Reformed uh, Baptist or Presbyterian that does not believe that the Holy Spirit is still speaking today to individual people in that way. I would be very sad to have to live a Christian life like that, um, believing that only the written word of God is all we're going to get from God in this dispensation or in this season of time before Jesus Christ comes back. Uh, If you understand that belief system, those that believe that way, that's what they believe. This is all we get from the Lord is the, the written word of God. They believe there is no private revelation, meaning the Holy Spirit does not speak to you individually. He does not speak to you individually uh, because anytime he did that in the Bible and someone said, the Lord told me, it became the canon of scripture. And so they're saying he doesn't do that now, but that's not true. The Holy Spirit is still speaking to his people now. He dwells within us and he still speaks to us because understand this, God does have a specific plan for every believer's life. That includes you. But then the question is, how do we discover that plan If he has one, it's not going to be found in his written word. I guarantee you that you're not going to find your name, your full name, I should say, because some people are named after Bible uh, figures and characters. 
You're not going to find your full name. Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. is not written in the Bible. Carolyn Shuttlesworth is not written in the Bible. And so there's no specific life instruction. There are general Christian life instructions, how we should live holy, commands from the Lord about what we should do generally as believers. But there's no, you know, the Bible's not going to tell you what you should do as a, a career. It's not going to tell you who you should marry. It's not going to tell you tell you where you should go to school, where you should live, where you should go to church. It's not going to tell you those things. The Holy Spirit will lead you in those areas. The Holy Spirit will lead you in those areas. Um, Candace saying, I've been told I should know my calling, but I don't, but I don't. There are things that I would like to do, but that doesn't mean it's my calling. Very true. That's very true, Candace. There are things that you'd like to do that you could do even that may not be your calling. So how, and that's what this broadcast, how do we figure it out? What is it that we can do to overcome uh, the life's biggest frustration, especially for the believer? What am I called to do? And why is it important to know your calling? Well, it's because, that's the first question I want to ask you today. Why is it important that I know my calling? And I want you to write that in the comments section if you're here um, on the broadcast live why is it important that I know my calling? I want to answer that question first because it sets us up for the rest of today's teaching. How do I, or why is it important that I know my calling? And here's the answer to that. Um, Psalm 127, and you may have heard me quote this many times before, but it's vital that we get this. Psalm 127, why is it important that I know my calling. Listen to Psalm 127 in verse one. Um, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You see that? So in one verse of scripture for you guys, we can see why it's important to know your calling. Why? Because unless the Lord builds the house, anybody who's working to build it, their work means nothing. Unless the Lord is guarding a city, any guard, any soldier, anybody that's a watchman on the wall is watching it in vain. What do I mean by that? Well, let's break it down with some past stories from the scripture. Let's think about the walls of Jericho. God said, those walls are coming down. God told his people, those walls of Jericho are coming down. Well, did it matter? Did it matter how many guards were on the walls in Jericho? Did it matter how big their army was? Let me ask another question. Did it matter how thick the walls of Jericho's were, Jericho was. Because here's the, here's the truth about it. If you study history, the walls of Jericho were so wide at the top going around the city that they could hold chariot races on the top of the wall with chariots side by side by side by side. It wasn't just some little brick wall. It was a fortress wall that was like a highway on top of the wall. So did it matter how thick the walls were? Did it matter that they had an army? Did it matter that there were guards on the walls? No, because the Lord wasn't watching over the city. The Lord was with his people who were going to lay siege to the city. So if God's not watching your city, it doesn't matter how 
much you guard it. If God said the walls are coming down, they're coming down. The same is true at the beginning of that, unless the Lord builds the house. So the question we have to ask ourselves is why would I attempt to build something that God doesn't want to be built? You see that? Why would I attempt to build a life that God doesn't want to be built? He does have a plan for you that is specific. It's specific. So we ask ourselves the question, why would we build a house or build a life or build a career that God doesn't want to be built? He's not going to get involved with it. He's not going to help with it. If he doesn't want it, it's against his will. It's a, And let me just, while I'm on the will of God, <laughs> let me just make mention of this because it's been so, taught so improperly so improperly over the years that people think that they can do anything they want and it's God's will. But let, let me just quickly teach something. The Bible says um, that you can know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so you know what people have done? They've taken that verse of scripture and they've looked at it and said, see, now there's multiple things you can do with your life. You can be in the perfect will of God. You can be in the acceptable will of God, or you can be in the good will of God. And sometimes they'll term it the permissive will, the permissive will of God. Well, you know, sometimes you can, you can be in the permissive will. It's not his perfect will, but it's, it's his permissive will. He's permitting you to do it. He's allowing you to do it because you're not on his perfect will. That's not scripture. That is, uh, the Bible does not say that you may know what is the good and acceptable and perfect wills of God. It says will, one word, singular, not plural, will of God. And the reason I say that is because all three of those adjectives, going back to grammar here for a moment, all three of those adjectives describe one will. His will is good. His will is acceptable. His will is perfect. All three of those words describe one will. You know, it's like if, if some were to say about, you know, if some if some people were to just describe me and say, uh, which I'm sure many of you are saying even during this broadcast, he's tall and strong and handsome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. But though that doesn't describe three different versions of me. There's not a tall me and there's not a strong me and then a handsome me. All three of those adjectives are referring to me. And I so appreciate you saying that. You're very kind. But all three of those words describe the same person in the same way that all three of those adjectives describe one will of God. One will. God has a plan for us. We can either choose to follow it or not follow it. Follow it or not follow it. That's it. And so you understand there, we do have a free will. That's another reason that I'm thankful that I'm not a Reformed Baptist or Presbyterian. I believe in free will. God has given man a free will to choose if he'll obey or choose if he, and humble. Thank you, Fabiola. <laughs> we have the ability to choose. Aren't you thankful for the ability God gave you to have a free will, to make a choice? You can make a choice. That's why the Bible says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose this day who you will serve. 
I love when they drew a line in the sand in the Old Testament um, in the camp of Israel. And they said, listen, if you're going to serve false gods, go serve them. But if you're on God's side, come and stand on this side of the camp. Because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What were they doing? Making a choice to obey the Lord. Making a choice to obey the Lord. I'm so thankful that we have a free will, a choice. And so we can choose to obey his plan, discover it and obey it, or we can choose to do our own thing. Now, let me tell you the difference between those two things. If you decide that you want to do your own thing rather than what God's called you to do, remember this, you will be um, responsible for your own provision, for your own protection, for your own um, open doors, your own connections. You're, you're going to be responsible for all of that because you're doing what you want. It's your plan. So you're responsible. But if you obey God's plan and purpose for your life, guess what? He's responsible for the provision. He's responsible for the protection. He's responsible for the open doors. He, all of it. He's responsible for it. Let me give you an example. And, and Paul taught this, by the way. Paul taught this in, in the New Testament. If you were part of the military and you decided that you were going to, you know, give your life to the military for however many years and you went on a mission and you literally had a deployment and went out and were deployed and were carrying out a, a mission that the government had. Let me ask you a question. Are you responsible to buy your own clothes for those military missions? Or do they provide you with a uniform? Do you have to go buy your own uniform somewhere at some store or do they provide it to you? Let me ask you another question. Do you have to provide your own weapons? Or does the military provide you with weapons? They do. Do you have to pay and go provide your own food? You say, now you can be in the military, but you got to go. Get, you have to go buy your own groceries. Or do they provide you with meals daily? They do. They do. And so understand, when you're a part of the military, they provide your clothing. They provide your weapons. They provide your food. They provide your shelter. They provide your transportation. They provide your instructions. And as long as you are a part of that calling that purpose, all those things are provided for you. Now, if you decided that you were going to go over to another nation by yourself and start carrying out military activity in another nation, you've got to have your own gun. You've got to have your own food, transportation, shelter, clothing. All that is on you because it's your plan. But when you attach yourself to a greater plan, all of that stuff is provided for you. And Paul said that. He made that exact analogy in the New Testament. He's, you know, he said soldiers are not required to provide for themselves. The military does it. Same way with God. We're in the army of God. So when we do what he wants on his missions, carrying out his purposes, he provides. Remember this and put it in the comments. God always pays for what he orders. Remember that. God always pays for what he orders. God's not going to go and order something and then stick you with the bill. God does not do that. God does not do that. He's not going to order something and stick you with the bill. He pays 
for what he orders. So that's another powerful uh, reason why we've got to know. We've got to know what we're called to do because we all do have specific purposes and callings. And so when we obey God's call, his purpose, he pays for what he orders, always pays for what he orders. Look at this. This is in general to every believer. First Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Notice this uh, in Acts 13, 36, it's talking about King David. Acts 13, 36. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, meaning he died, and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. So notice this, David had the purpose of God upon his life. And according to Acts 13, 36, he served God's purpose. He served God's purpose. And when he was done serving God's purpose, the Bible says he died and was buried. So you have a purpose and you can either choose to serve God's purpose or you can choose to, to create your own purpose. But there's frustration in that. There'll never be fulfillment in doing something God's not in, in your life. I remember when I was um, younger, in high school age, you know, and when I was high school age, I remember there was other things that I thought maybe I'd want to do rather than be a preacher. You know, my whole family were preachers, our preachers, my cousins, my uncles, my father, my grandfather, grandmother, everybody in the Shuttlesworth family went that route. And it's because God called them. And God called me at the age of five years old. I was in the middle of I guess, I can't remember if the church was in Northern Maine or just across the border in New Brunswick, Canada, because the pastor I'm thinking of pastored on both sides of the border uh, throughout his life. So I can't remember if this one was Maine or if it was New Brunswick, Canada, but either way, it was in the middle of the winter, extremely snowy, snowstorms had hit, people were coming to church in snowmobiles, uh, in their snow outfits, and then hanging them up in the lobby, and we still had a mighty revival. Uh, and I was about five years old. My father was holding the revival uh, with Pastor McIntyre there at his church. And I think it was in Heartland, New Brunswick. And just as a little boy, I'm inside that small Pentecostal church in New Brunswick, Canada. My father's getting ready to preach again. And uh, I remembered that the night before that everybody had gone down to the altar to pray. And I turned to my mom that night and I said, um, Mom, are we going to go down to the altar again tonight to pray? I was feeling a pull in my heart to go to the altar right then. And it was just, we were kind of finishing up praise and worship. We hadn't even gotten into the announcements, nor had we gotten into the message yet. I was just finishing up praise and worship. And I said to my mom, I turned and tapped her. I said, are we going to go down to the altar to pray again tonight? And um, she said, well, we're not going right now, but if you feel to, then you can go. Thank God for a, a, a 
spirit-led mother and father. And she said, well, if you feel to, then you go down. Well, I got out of my seat uh, there in that church and I I walked my five-year-old self down to the altar and uh, I started praying. Well, that old pastor, that old preacher, Brother McIntyre, who's gone home to be with the Lord, he stopped everybody and pulled me over to where he was. And he sat down on the edge of the platform and sat me up on his knee um, and began to tell the people, he said, you don't understand. Many of you don't understand what's going on in this young man's life, but God's calling him tonight to preach the gospel. And at five years old, I knew what I was called to do. I knew I was called to preach the gospel. And uh, from that from that day forward, I always knew that was what I, what it was. Can you even imagine how frustrated it made my counselors in high school, my guidance counselors? You know, because I would I would just tell them, you know, um, you know, well, we need to determine, you know, what you're going to be doing for your future and everything. I said, I know what I'm going to do for my future. I'm going to be a preacher. Well, I know you think you're going to be a preacher, you know, but. Uh, we need you to come up with some options, you know, I'm talking about that, uh, come up with some options, you know, because, you know, you need to have more than one thing to fall back on, you know, should preaching not work out for you? You know, this was their thought process. And uh, I can remember how bad she freaked out when she came in and, and, and she said, okay, now let me know which colleges have you applied to? Which colleges have you applied to? I said, one, one college. And her eyes got wide. She said, one, you only applied to one college? I said, yeah, just just, uh, just, just, just one. She said, I can't believe you. Like I was just extremely irresponsible. How could you only apply to one college? What if they don't accept you? You know, that was, that was, her, <laughs> that was her question. What if they don't accept you? I don't think she understood uh, that if you go to a Bible college, <laughs> as my cousin says, as long as you have a pulse and the money, they'll take you. <laughs> and he said, and if you don't have the pulse, they still may take you anyway. <laughs> if you, if you have, uh, if you have the money. And so I don't think she understood how Bible college works, but I said, yeah, just one, just one college. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to do. And she said, she actually said this to me, which still makes me laugh to this day. She said, but what, what if, what if preaching doesn't work out for you? What if people don't like your preaching? <laughs> and to this day, there have been many people that have not liked my preaching, but I'm still preaching. <laughs> and that was her big, that was her big problem was that how could you see, because they're not, they don't expect that in high school, nor do they expect it in college and university, to be honest with you. Can you, can you, I mean, I'm sure you know this, just those of you that are watching, praise God for Brady's testimony. That's awesome. Um, you know, I know you know this, many students in college, university, whether they're saved and spirit filled or not, are changing their major all the time. I know tons of people that have changed their major two and three times in college and university. Well, I, I started going that direction, but I, I, I realized I don't really care for that. So, you know, I kind of switched it and, you know, I've talked to tons of people that that's their story, but you understand that if you're a Holy Ghost filled believer, that doesn't have to be your story. What do I mean by that? Well, you can, even as a teenager, you can pray 
and fast and know the will of God for your life. No question. I wasn't old. Uh, you know, I wasn't even considered an adult when the Lord spoke to me and told me what he wanted me to do. And I understood it at a young age. At a, and even in high school and middle school, I understood. You know, I, I understood exactly what the Lord wanted me to do with my life. You know, God's not trying to keep you in the dark about your purpose. He's not trying to keep you in the dark about what you're called to do. He wants you to know it. That's why he sent you the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be led and guided into all truth. Wants you. Wants you to know. And so he's not trying to keep you in the dark. And so if you'll just pray. See, the problem is many people will not pray. They'll not fast. And, and listen, I'm giving you now keys to discover your purpose. Giving you keys uh, to, get, to get involved with what the Lord wants you to do. Um, number one is a consistent prayer life. Have a consistent prayer life. I'm going to get into that in a second, but let me say this. There were times in high school, especially my junior and senior year, where I had these thoughts, and I know they weren't thoughts inspired by the Lord. It was my own flesh just having desires. And there were things, let me tell you, if you think preaching is the only thing that I've ever been interested in, you don't know me as a person. Anyone that knows and has a relationship with me knows that I'm interested in so many things that I actually have to focus myself uh, to make sure that I'm not wasting my own time um, studying things out and learning things. I have to make sure that I'm actually focused on make knowing that what I'm taking time to do is focusing on that's going to benefit my actual calling and purpose because I have many interests in many things. And even back then I did. You know, two things that I thought that I would really like to be and uh, I think it probably had to do more with what I read growing up, but I had this idea, and this is extremely transparent, but I had this idea, you know, back in back in London during the Victorian area, era of London, um, they had these men's clubs, and they were gentlemen's clubs, but that not not what they mean today, you know, like what a gentleman's club means today. Back in the day, you know, um, they a gentleman's club was a very prestigious thing. Um, and they still have them in the United States and in Europe, but it, it was it was something where they had uh, big big uh, buildings that they owned that you could go in and people would eat dinner there, spend time with their friends there, uh, and they were basically just called men's clubs. You know, it's what they were, and uh, we have them in the major cities here today. And I always thought to myself, like, I'd like to start, you know, my own. Uh, men's club in some city somewhere and, and, you know, have, you know, all the, all the stuff, straight razor shaves and barbers, barbers in there and everything, beautiful libraries and all this stuff. I just thought it'd be a cool thing. It was, it got in my mind and I thought about that for a while. The other thing I was like, you know, cause I still, Carolyn, my wife is a phenomenal cook, but I've enjoyed cooking throughout my life. I don't do it as often, but when I do, I really enjoy it. And I thought, you know what? I would like to be a chef. I think being, becoming like a, a five-star you know, chef or like, you know, a Michelin star chef that and becoming prestigious in that world and then going around the world cooking and doing different things. And I thought about that for a while. I thought, man, that'd be really fun to do. But none of those things could fulfill me. I mean, none of those things that, that I, uh, uh, you know, could have thought up on my own. I can't imagine. I think about it today at 38 years old. I think to my day, if I had to sit around and be somebody that was just, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad job to have. I, I wanted it, but I think about my own personal self and think, if I had to sit around and just cook for a living, 
that was my job. Like I would, I would be so unfulfilled in my life. I can't even imagine, you know, what I would, what I'd feel like if I went and did start that men's club or a, a line of men's clubs, I can't imagine how empty my life would feel because I know the fulfillment, uh, in my own life being a, a minister, a man of God, uh, what God called me to do, carrying it out brings more fulfillment than anything. When you do what the Lord has asked you to do with your life, there's more fulfillment in literally just doing the simple things that God's told you to do than if you did the most grandiose things that you could imagine and still be empty inside. You know how I know that's true? Let me let me talk to you for a second before we get into prayer. You know how I know that's true? You look at people, who, who was the man? Uh, Anthony Bourdain, okay? That's a perfect example. Anthony Bourdain's a perfect example. He was a phenomenal chef, a phenomenal chef, got to travel the world, went to all the best places, had his show on television, had multiple shows on television, went to parts unknown, quote unquote, um, literally uh, ate the best foods, stayed in the best hotels, resorts, went to the most beautiful locales. I mean, everything that somebody may dream of doing. I get to go to all these places in Europe and the islands and stay in the best hotels and suites and houses and eat the best foods. And like, that's the job. You know, if anybody's thinking like the dream job, that guy had it made. And literally still at the end of his life, they found him. He hung himself in a hotel room on location a day before uh, he was about to film something else for television, but literally hung himself. Now you think about the fact that here's a man that seemingly has everything, multi-millionaire, you know, everywhere he wanted to go, anything he wanted to eat, anywhere he wanted to stay, had it all, had it all, and still hung himself. It shows you that even prestige All those things cannot fill a void where Christ is supposed to be. Not a Christian. So that's number one. If if you're not serving the Lord, there's no fulfillment in that. But once you do become a believer, once you are serving the Lord, there are things you're supposed to do and things that you're not supposed to do. And when you do the things you are supposed to do, it brings fulfillment. So discovering your purpose. Well, let's talk about how you can begin to do that. And I mentioned that to to begin, to have a strong prayer life is number one. Have a strong prayer life. You should be praying uh, every day. You should have some sort of a prayer routine or schedule that you do every day. Find a way to prioritize that in your life and know I've got to be praying. If you don't talk to the Lord, How can he speak to you about his plans for you? See, that's the thing we have to ask. If I don't ever speak to God, how can he speak to me about the plans that he has for me? And he does have, you you can go all the way back to Jeremiah 29. Some would argue and say, well, that was only written to uh, to Israel, to the Jews. But understand that if you're part of the body of Christ, then you are spiritual Israel. You are spiritual Israel. Paul taught that you've come into the family through the spirit of adoption. And so you are part of Israel. Uh, and so it's it's important to not only know that, but that there's nothing good God would have done for them in the Old Testament that he wouldn't do much more for you in the New Testament. 
because we have a better covenant, a stab promises, Hebrews chapter eight, a better covenant established upon better promises. So God's not going to make them all these wonderful promises. In fact, let's turn there. Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, he's not going to make all these wonderful uh, promises to the Jews in the Old Testament and then give us promises that are less than what they had in the old in the new. That's crazy. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to this. The Bible says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare or peace, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you, verse 12, then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you up from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. That is a promise there to the actual literal nation of Israel that were ended up becoming the diaspora after Jerusalem was taken by the Romans and they were driven into all the nations of the world. God's promising that he would bring them all back together, which he did. And they all have, you know, Israel's a nation again. And uh, literally since 1948, that has been literally fulfilled in prophecy. But understand, he had plans for them that were for their for them to prosper, have welfare, peace, hope, not to give them destruction. Well, let me ask to prosper and give them peace, but not plans to prosper you and give you peace? Absolutely not. This is a better covenant. The covenant through Christ is a better covenant. So guess what? When he said, when you search after me with your whole heart, you'll find me to Jeremiah. Do you think he's only saying that to Jeremiah or to the Old Testament uh, followers of God in the nation of Israel? Of course not. He will fi you'll find him. If you, if you will seek after him with all your heart, you'll find him. You'll find him. He'll answer your prayers. You'll call unto him. He'll answer you. He has plans for you. But how do we find out the um, what we would call the unknown things from God? Flip a few chapters over to Jeremiah 33 and listen to verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Teresa, yes, I would say talking to the Lord, praying to the Lord. It's the same thing. You're addressing the Lord and he'll speak back to you. Look at this. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. So what's the, what's the uh, promise there from God? If you'll just call upon him, if you'll just talk to him, if you'll just pray, he'll speak back to you. And he'll give you hidden things. Look at that. Things others don't know. I'll tell you great and hidden things. You know, and I'm going to read that to you. I'm going to pull it up on my phone. Uh, I want to read you that um, scripture in a different translation just to show you something uh, in the New Living Translation. This is phrased, but um, Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3 in the New Living, listen to this. Ask me. And I will tell you 
remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. I like that translation. Remarkable secrets that you do not know, things that are hidden, about things to come. So God actually will guide you into direction and give you direction about the future and give you a heads up on stuff you could not have known yourself if you'll just ask him, if you'll just talk to him. And so number one, it's important to understand you've got to have, got to have a prayer life that is consistent and a prayer life that is fruitful. One of the things that we do for you as as our gift to you is that we provide you with prayer points, about a hundred of them that have scriptures attached to each one. And if you've never gotten to access those, you can download our app for free in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. And it's if you just search Miracle Word, you'll find the app. Inside that app, not only do we have 24-7 digital radio of preaching and teaching that never stops for you to build your faith, we also have our prayer points that we give to you guys. So that when you're praying, you can pray scripturally and pray prayers that God can anoint and answer. And he said, if we just call on him, that he'd answer us and then show us. So one of the things that he'll show you is things that you should do with your own personal life. Now, let me give you a quick story about myself. This is one of the things that blew my mind. At the time that I spoke to that guidance counselor, I think it was my junior year, The time I spoke to her, I was already planning in my heart to go to a certain Bible school. And now that I look back, my choice to go there was simply mostly out of tradition than anything else. My grandfather and grandmother went to that Bible school. All of my uncles and my father and my mother and others others of my uncle's wives went to that school. My cousin Jonathan, who was the only one older than me in the Shuttlesworth family of the grandchildren, he's the only one older than me, older than I, if you are a grammarist, Um, and he went there, and he was already there. I was a a junior and senior. He's two years ahead of me, and uh, so he was already in Bible school while I was finishing high school. My plan was to go to the same school. We were going to be roommates together, be at school together. It's going to be phenomenal. You know, best friends, we've always been very close and still to this day. But as I was praying, now think about this. My father came home from a meeting and he said, hey, uh, I just wanted to show you this. I saw this while I was at this meeting. And he just kind of handed me a booklet that was advertising uh, Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which none of our family had been there. That was Brother Kenneth Hagin's school. And um, I said, no, I don't need that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need that. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going to school. I'm going where you went, going where mom went, grandpa, our grandfather went, going where Jonathan's at. That's where our whole family went there. That's where I'm going. And he said, well, and this is all my dad said, which is why I really love, I love spirit-led parents. My dad said, well, it wouldn't hurt to pray about it. And I thought, well, that's true. That is true. It wouldn't hurt to pray about it. So I took the the booklet with me, put it in my backpack and went to high school. And and I took that day in high school, just walking the halls between classes, praying in the Holy Spirit, meditating on that fact, asking the Lord to give me direction. And do you know, 
as a 17-year-old kid walking the halls of a public high school, praying in the Holy Ghost, it didn't even take me a full day to hear from the Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, that is where you're supposed to go. Now, listen, I didn't want to go there. It was not my desire to go there. So it's not me just saying, well, you know, I want to go there. So let's see if I can get the Lord. No, I didn't want to. I wanted to go be with my cousin, Jonathan. I wanted to go be at the school that my whole family went to. I, that's what I, that was my desire. But as I began to pray, the Bible says this, God will give you the desires of your heart. Some people read that and think, whatever I want, God's going to give me. Did you ever think of it this way? God's the one who will give you the wants. He'll put the wants in your heart. He'll be the one that determines what you do want. He gives you the desires. He actually puts the desires there. Not that he fulfills your desires, although he'll do that too. But did you ever think that he will be the one that gives you holy desires that are from heaven based on his plan for your life? So it didn't even take me a full day. Didn't even take a full day. I began to... uh, Pray, and when I did, the Lord said, that is where you're supposed to go. That is where I'm leading you to go. You do need. So I went, I'd already filled out the application for the other school. And when I went back home, I tore it up and filled out another application and sent it in. It was quickly approved. And then I could tell you one miracle story after another as I went out to Tulsa. It was confirmation after confirmation. Supernatural things happened to to just to show me, to prove to me that God had me in the right place. I was putting in job applications at the mall in Tulsa on 71st Street, Woodland Hills Mall. And I was putting in uh, applications throughout the mall at different uh, stores. And I, I was getting ready to go into a suit store to um, to apply there. I thought, man, that'd be a good place for a preacher, you know, get a suit store and you get some discounts on suits. And I was getting ready to go in. And as I'm going in, out of the store, literally, at the exact same moment, walks one of the greatest evangelists in the history of the world, T.L. Osborne. Out he comes holding suit bags, and he was getting ready to go to Russia to preach a pastor's conference, and he recognized my father, who was with me, from Brother Shambach's tent meetings. Now listen, if you're, if you're listening to this or watching this, and you don't know who T.L. Osborne was... You've got to Google him, YouTube him, whatever you can do. He held some of the largest crusades for evangelism in the history of the world. He held mass crusades in over 75 nations of the world. I think the final number was 76. 76 nations of the world, he held crusades that would have hundreds of thousands, sometimes over a million people in attendance in these crusades, saw millions of salvations. Well, he comes walking out of the store and he recognizes my dad from the Shambox meetings. He said, hey, it's Shambox sidekick. And so he walks over and he's talking to us. What are you doing here? And what are you doing here in Tulsa and all this? And uh, my dad said, well, my son is getting ready to go to Rama, and um, he's he's putting in job applications and, um, you know, he's, he's just believing God. Well, Brother Osborne looked at me and he said, young man, lift up your hands. And so literally in the food court of Woodland Hills Mall, slightly far, slightly a few few hundred yards away from the fried rice, 
I lifted my hands in that Woodland Hills Mall and Brother Osborne laid his hands upon me, prayed the anointing of God onto my life and then said, Lord, give him the best possible job he could get in the city. And then told me, come down to my office when you get a chance. I'm going to give you all the books I've ever written. That morning, Brother Shambach, who was there for Word Explosion with um, uh, uh, Brother Doherty, Billy Joe Doherty at the time at Victory, uh, he prayed for me in the Cracker Barrel at breakfast. And he laid hands on me and said, Lord, give him the best job in the city. You know, he talked to me. And so that day I went out. When I got home that night, not only did those two great men of God pray for me, but when I got home that night, I was unloading my car into the apartment that I'd found, which was also another supernatural story. And um, a kid came across uh, the parking lot who was also, I found out later, a Rama student. He said, hey, did you get a job yet? And I said, no, I haven't yet. He said, well, why don't you um, why don't you go down to where I work? They're hiring right now. Turned out it was for MasterCard, the collections department. I tell people God was... Uh, training me to take offerings. Anyway, it was the uh, it was the uh, MasterCard location in Tulsa. I go down there, 17 years old, no resume, no previous work experience. Uh, I've never been in corporate America. I go into this office, huge MasterCard building, and um, I, I interviewed and they said, well, stay right here because we're not just going to interview, but we're going to uh, we're going to have an actual sit down with you with with some of the managers here. Well, I didn't know the. I guess the guy that told that told me he said, uh, "I'm making like nothing." Remember, this was in the year 2000, 20 years ago. He said, uh, "Wow, that just made me feel really old to say 20 years ago." But anyway, he said, "You know, I'm making like 10.50 an hour, which in, in 2000 was good money. 10.50 an hour," and I said, "Wow." And so I, when they, when they interviewed me, they're asking all these questions, and then they said, "So how much money would you like to make?" And uh, I wanted to at least beat him. I said, 1075. <laughs> and they didn't even hesitate. They said, you got it. You start this coming Monday. I literally got the job. God put me in there. And, and it was the Lord that led me there. Got me there at 17 years old. I think I just turned 18. No experience. I was doing so well on this job by the power of the Holy Ghost. They started giving me bonus after bonus after bonus. They'd say, here's an extra 500 bucks. Here's an extra 300 bucks. Here's an extra 400 bucks just for doing so well. And God blessed me. One thing after another. And then God anointed me. God then in prayer and fasting led me to uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia to be a part of the church my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, was planning here in Virginia Beach where I'm at today, Dominion Christian Center. And um, that was another thing I had to hear from the Lord because I knew, remember, remember what I told you, I knew from being five years old that I was called to be an evangelist. So for me to then hear a word from the Holy Spirit in February of 2003, where the Lord spoke to me in Tulsa, once again, I was there for Winter Bible Seminar, and I was in my hotel room fasting and praying, and I heard the Lord say, you're to move to Virginia Beach from West Virginia, and you're to go on staff and help your uncle as he pioneers this church, plants this church. Well, in the natural that doesn't make any sense, does it? It doesn't make any sense to know you're an evangelist and then go and take a position as an associate pastor. Makes no sense. And by the way, let me say this, in that interim year between graduating Bible school and going on staff with my uncle full-time, I was already traveling as an evangelist for a year. It wasn't that I couldn't travel or didn't have places to go. 
I mean, I did, obviously the doors weren't as, as open as they are now, but I was preaching meetings. I was taking meetings. I was traveling uh, up and down the East Coast preaching. And so it's not that I had nowhere to go. I was preaching. But it was that the Holy Ghost had a plan. He had a plan. I was supposed to be here with my uncle at Dominion Christian Center. The Lord led me to do that. And that was in fasting and prayer. And so in June of 2003, I moved full-time to Virginia Beach and went on staff at Dominion Christian Center and did everything I could get my hands on and learned and got impartation, all these different things. And then as that was taking place, the Lord was building and expanding my spirit, building and expanding my faith, my knowledge, my revelation, my power, impartation, all that was happening in the time God placed me here uh, for about nine years or so I was helping. Nine, eight, eight full-time, nine uh, if you count the on and off coming in to help. And so I was here. And then, uh, then the Lord allowed me. Now, remember this. If I had never come to Virginia Beach, if I had never obeyed what the Lord told me to do, and he did tell me to do it, if I'd never, not, number one, not only would I have never received all those things being on staff and learned all that I did and received all that I did, remember this. I would have never met Carolyn. And God put Carolyn in my life. You've heard me tell that story. And she came in, she was living in Florida, came in to visit in Virginia Beach because her parents lived here and walked into the church and I was smitten from the day one. And none of that would have happened. I would have never met her. Look at the beautiful children we have now, never would have had them. But look what the Lord did. The Holy Spirit led me there, had me to meet her. And, and it's just been one blessing after another. Then the Lord spoke to me in 2000 and mid-2009 mid that it's time to start traveling as an evangelist. And so there was a transition. Well, I had to hear that too. Remember, I could have continued on at Dominion Christian Center. I was blessed doing the work that I was doing there. And let me tell you how blessed I was. I was so blessed at Dominion Christian Center that I was as an associate doing, doing what I did for my uncle and, and my, my aunt as an associate, I was without a doubt making more at a, as a salary than most senior pastors around the nation were making, without question. I was very blessed. And God blessed me with a house here in Virginia Beach. We were blessed to uh, have that wonderful house to live in. The church was a blessing to me. I mean, I had no reason to transition out of that. I was blessed. It, you know, because let me just also say this. Not only uh, was I blessed, but when I was getting ready to go and do what I knew the Lord was telling me to do, I didn't have like a hundred open doors to go preach at places. I didn't. I wasn't this like in-demand speaker that everybody wanted to come to their revival. No, that, that is not in by any means who I was at all. I just knew in my spirit that the Lord said, now's the time. And so I had to listen. He would say, well, you're going to give up that great, great salary of that church and where you are, are set up and you've got the house here and you got all that. I had to because I knew the Lord. The same Lord and same spirit that spoke to me to go to Rama in high school is the same spirit that spoke to me to move to Virginia Beach in 03. It's the same spirit that spoke to me and said, you're to go now and start to travel full time in 2009 and by January of 2010 we moved out into evangelistic ministry and God's blessed it. 
And every single year, this is how you know it's the Lord, because it can't be me. Every single year, the Lord has increased our ministry by far. And I gave you a little bit of that at the beginning. By far. There's the Lord. He's the same Holy Spirit that two and a half, three years ago spoke to me and said, you are now to move to South Florida. Now, I had no desire. I don't even like Florida. My wife was from there originally, and she said, I'll never go back to Florida. So it's not that we were just like, man, one day we're really going to go to Florida. No, neither of us wanted to go there. But once again, he gives you the desires. He gives you the desires. And so I can still tell you to this day, there's no other part of Florida that I like except the one I live in. And I love it. I love where I'm at. But uh, every other place in Florida, I can't stand. <laughs> I, don't li- I don't like it. But the Lord gave us the blessing. The house I'm living in now, the Lord gave it to us because we heard his voice literally heard his voice and it was so supernatural. What am I telling you? God has a plan for you and you've got to hear the plan. You'll you'll hear the plan. Now, let me just give you something quickly before we pray. Uh, there are things you can find in the word that will help you to make choices that the Holy Spirit tells you. For example, let's talk about marriage because I know there's probably single people watching. When you're finding out who it is the Lord wants you to be with, there are obviously prerequisites you can find in the Bible that will help you and assist you in, in, in finding the person. For example, if you're a believer, you're not to marry an unbeliever. Paul taught that. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why would you want to tie yourself to somebody that doesn't, doesn't care about obeying the mighty word of God? That's a waste of your time. And it's also a violation of scripture. So that can assist you. But remember this, there's close to 500 million Pentecostal believers in the world today. And let's just say only half of them. Well, let's, let's, let's say a, a, you know, a third of them are, um, you know, women. Let's say the rest, the other third are children, the other third are men. You've still got over a hundred million women, if you're a man, and a hundred million men, if you're a woman, to find somebody to be your husband or wife. How do you do that? You do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. How could it be that um, God, it's not random, that God, a, a a young man who was born in Providence, Rhode Island, grew up in West Virginia, ends up in Virginia, a girl who was born in Florida, raised in Florida, and then moves to Virginia, doesn't even like it there, doesn't even initially, doesn't want to leave Florida, comes there, and by, what are you going to tell me, by chance, her parents found our church through the television broadcast and started coming, and then by chance, she visited on a Sunday, and I noticed, and we got, no, the Lord orchestrates these things. You think about every single thing had to be right in order for this to happen. I had to listen to every word of the Holy Spirit. It happens because God has a plan for your life. When you follow it, you're blessed. Um, What kind of ways does God speak back to us after we pray and fast? Excellent question. Andrew Journey asking, what kind of ways does God speak back to us after we pray and fast? I wasn't waiting for an audible voice from the Lord. Actually, I think the best way to answer um, Andrew's question is for us to look at Isaiah 55. Let's go to Isaiah 55 and verse 12. Listen to this. 
Isaiah 55 and verse 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Isaiah 55, 12. Two things I want you to see here, Andrew. Number one, you shall go out in joy. So we understand joy is a fuel for your purpose that pushes you or accelerates you into the future. But notice the second part of that. And you shall be led forth in peace. So remember this, and everybody write it in the comments section. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. Joy pushes you. Peace pulls you. So my joy is what gets me moving forward into what God's called me to do. But when I come to a crossroads, as we many times do, I could go to five different schools. I could do five different things. I could. When you're praying and when you're fasting, for me, one of the clearest, clearest pictures of knowing the direction of the Lord is feeling the peace. This is why you have to be able to learn to discern the spirit and to be led by the spirit. You can be tra- you can train yourself to be led by the spirit of God. But remember this, as you and I know many of you that are believers on here have probably done the same thing I'm talking about. As you're praying, as you're fasting, as you're meditating upon the options that you may have in life to do several different things. As you're thinking about it, as you're praying, watch watch how this works. And if anybody's done this and have, ha- have had it happen for them, put some emoji hands in the comments. Remember this. As you are meditating on these decisions and, and thinking about it and praying and asking the Lord, which is the right one? Have you ever imagined yourself taking an action or making a decision going down that road and you feel you don't feel peace about it in your spirit? You don't feel in your heart You feel a check. I I shouldn't be doing that. Have you ever had that where you, I could do this. I could go do this right now, but you don't feel peace about it. There's something inside that feels like, oh, I don't feel like I should be there. I don't feel like I should do that. That's the leading of the spirit. You don't feel peace about a decision. You're restless about it. You're anxious about it. There's not peace. And I'm not talking about the fact it takes faith to do it. I'm saying you feel like... That's not for me. I, I I just, I don't feel peace about it. I don't feel settled in my spirit about doing that. If you've ever had that, throw an emoji hand up in the comments. Michelle, uh, Mary Sue has, and, and you know that. The reason is because you're led forth by peace. By peace. I, I always follow peace. That's my rule. My rule with the Holy Ghost is I follow peace. If I've got multiple avenues I could go, I'll pray. I'll get in the spirit and I'll almost like, it's almost like I'll imagine myself doing that one, doing that one. And I can feel, I can feel it. I'm not supposed to be there. I'm not supposed to do that. And then when the one comes that, you know, man, you feel like I can see that. I feel perfect peace in that. I feel perfect peace in that. I feel no anxiety. I feel no, I feel perfect peace in that decision. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, you think about the fact that when I moved to Florida, there was no reason for us to do it. And it was so out of the blue, so off the cuff. It was like, man, really? Leave Virginia and go to Florida? 
with no reason to go except the Lord said to, spend all these thousands of dollars to pack up the house, rent out the house, you know, get a truck, move, you know, all this stuff. First and last month's rent, as we first got there, we rented a house for a couple of years. And think to myself, all of that just to change locations for no reason? But then as I prayed about it, guess what? Although it was going to be steps of faith, I didn't feel anxious about it. I felt when I imagined it taking place, when I meditated upon it, I felt such perfect peace in doing it. I was like, that's us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That is what we're supposed to be doing. And it, it was. Every single thing that's happened has been a, a blessing and confirmation. We're right in the middle of the will of God. And it feels good to be in the middle of the will of God. Shanda's asking, what is the difference between a check in your spirit or fear? Like, how do you know whether or not it's hold, fear is holding you back? Uh, they feel different. They feel different. Um, was I not um, feeling the heaviness of the responsibility to do all the things it was going to take, the thousands of dollars it was going to take to make the move and all that? You feel that in your flesh. You feel what that takes. But when you imagine the end result of you doing what it is the Lord's asking you to do, and you feel that peace, it's so very important to know that God has spoken to you and that you have a plan to accomplish his purpose, led by peace. Let God lead you by peace. This is so important that you see this. Let God lead you by peace. Don't just do something because it sounds good or seems good. That's a mistake people make is they do something just because it seems good or sounds good or it sounds favorable. Don't do it for that reason. Don't do it for that reason. Because there are things that could seem good or sound good to you that are not the Lord. They're just simply not the Lord. And so don't do something because it quote unquote makes sense and don't, don't do something uh, because it, it seems good or like, that'd be great. Wouldn't that be great to live in Hawaii? If God didn't call you to live in Hawaii, don't go there. doesn't matter what, what it doesn't matter. Don't do something because it looks good or seems good. Do it because the Holy Ghost told you to do it. Do it because the Holy Ghost told you to do it. He leads you by peace. He leads you by peace. And so that's the key. That is the key. The Lord will lead you by peace. Now, listen, there's people that have gotten so into their flesh, so carnally led, that it may take some prayer and fasting. You think about the fact the disciples and Christ, many, many in the, in the New Testament, didn't do anything important without fasting and praying first. Fasting and praying first. So listen, I do, if it's a life decision, let me just, <laughs> let me just give you this update. Anything that I did that was a life decision, moving to another state, taking a position, going to a school, taking a, a, a career move, change, whatever it might be, marrying Carolyn, all of it was sparked by fasting and prayer. Don't make massive decisions or changes in your life without fasting and praying because we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit when it comes to these things. So let me encourage you, fast and pray. Fast and pray and hear the voice of the Lord. And then seek wise counsel, as the Bible, Bible says. Seek wise counsel. There's a safety in a, a, a number or an abundance of counselors. And I'm, I'm not telling you to listen to every voice that's out there. I'm saying you should have some trusted spiritual leaders in your life that you can talk to that aren't going to manipulate you or or whatever. They're going to tell you the truth, help you pray, understand? 
So you've got to have uh, those that are above you in impartation that can help you and guide you along the way. And then fast and pray and hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, your life will be forever changed because you obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing better than being right in the middle of the will of God. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. They labor in vain. Don't be one of those that are laboring in vain. Don't allow yourself to become one of those that are just spinning your wheels because it's just something you do. Well, you know, this is just what we felt to do, so it's what we're doing. No, do it because the Holy Ghost told you to do it. And remember this, the number one way to walk and stand in the favor of God for the rest of your life is the words of Mary to the workers at the wedding in John 2. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. I want to pray for those of you that are watching because many of you are struggling to find your purpose, to know your purpose. I want to pray that before February comes to an end, literally, this we're literally in a, in a leap year. This is a leap month. And literally, I believe that before it comes to an end, you can leap into your purpose. Do what God's called you to do. Don't take six months to find out what God can show you in six days. The Lord will speak. And so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to every man, woman watching or listening today and give them instruction, guidance about where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to be doing, and how they're supposed to be doing it. Perfectly led by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. We give you glory and praise. If you believe it, not only say amen, but throw some emoji hands up in the comments section. And let me encourage you to sow a seed by faith today. As we're now in February, what is this? This our second broadcast of February. And I want to encourage you to take a step of faith. Do you know, Carolyn and I have been praying that in this new year, that God would attach to us new partners that would stand with us on a monthly basis to sow, to believe, to pray, knowing God's going to shake a generation before Jesus comes. As we're talking about being led by the Spirit, I want you today to pray. I'm not telling you that you're one of them. I'm asking you to ask the Lord. Am I one of those that's to stand with Ted and Carolyn as a partner and believe for increase? And not only that, believe that God will shake this earth one more time before Jesus comes back. And for those of you today that feel to stand with us in partnership, I want to encourage you to sow a seed. Whether you're sowing today in one-time seed or you'll partner with us every single month, there's many ways you can do it. As you're looking at the screen, one of the easiest ways to partner, and not one of the, it's the easiest way to partner with us, go to miracleword.com, click on the partner button, and fill out that form and stand with us on a monthly basis. Uh, maybe you'd like to sow a one-time seed. You can do that on the website as well. Uh, if you're in Periscope or Facebook, you can use hashtag donate to sow your seed. And also, we have apps available. You can give by Cash App or Venmo by using the username MWGive. And then, of course, the PayPal information is on the screen as well. If you'd like to use PayPal to sow a seed, you can do that. And uh, for those of you that really prefer to sow by giving a check or writing a check to Miracle Word Ministries, you can send that check to P.O. Box 65116, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23467. That address is also on our website at the footer of every page. Um, if you'd like to know 
what address you can send a check to. I say thank you to every person that's standing with us because as I said at the beginning, we pray for you on a weekly basis. We are standing with, and you can see the miracles that are taking place. It's supernatural, man. I've been thanking God profusely for the miracles that have been taking place over this last month. January was so phenomenal, phenomenal. Miracle signs and wonders. Tumors disappeared. Lump in the breast gone. Crippled people healed. Deaf ears coming open. Um, income increasing. I mean, it's been supernatural. Every everywhere we've been, we hold we held a twenty three services or something like that in 25 days, God's moving. And I know he's going to move on your life as well. So if you would pray, say, Lord, am I to be one of those that will stand with them on a monthly basis and and partner financially and with my prayers to see Miracle Word Ministries touch this world uh, before it's too late? Because it's time sensitive. Jesus is coming very soon. And so I'm encouraging you to stand with us. And let me say, for those of you that partner with us at $1,000 or more, uh, this month, we are sending to you a genuine leather New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible that I'm going to sign to you and send to your house. Um, if you've already received that gift because you gave a thousand or more in January, uh, I believe this is the month we can all lift our hands and thank the Lord that this is going to be the month that further faster releases. And um, for those of you that partner with us, as you know, if you saw in the magazine, we're going to be printing special edition hardcover versions of Further Faster that will not be uh, available for purchase. They will be special hardcovers with a dust jacket uh, that we'll be signing and sending to you. In this book, I'm so excited to get it out the door. And finally, after all this time, it's going to be available. So I'm looking forward to that. We love you guys so much. Don't forget that if you'd like to be connected with me on text message, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text and fill out your information. When you do, it, you put your contact information right in my phone and then we can uh, stay in contact by text message. You can send me prayer requests. I can pray for you. I can text you as well. Um, I love you guys so much and appreciate all of you that are staying with us, standing with us. I'm going to be back again tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m., and uh, I can't wait. I've got some cool things planned this week, stuff that's been bubbling up in my spirit. I think I'm going to start it tomorrow and uh, go through Friday with this thought. Uh, and, and I'm going to announce it to you. I've been studying it. I've been reading about it. It stirs me up. And so you're going to have to turn in, tune in tomorrow to find out what it is. But it's going to be good. I love you guys so much. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, day. And I'll talk to you very soon. God bless you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.